Welcome to the Pop Culture Federation Podcast. I'm your host, Mikey. Matt, I am. And my name is Ron. <laughs> so today is the third installment of our Star Wars Month. And Star we're Wars about Month. It's coming Chipoca at you. And we're going to be talking about the Disney trilogy today. Damn. So back in 2012, Disney acquired Lucasfilm for $4 billion. With a B? With a billion. So it made George Lucas an even richer man. And Disney set out to make the sequel trilogy to the original trilogy. The movies that many fans have fantasized about, written about, wrote fan countless fan fictions about, theorized in magazines and early Usenet and internet forums. What was episodes 7, 8, and 9 going to actually entail? There were several different theories. There were several different official leaked scripts from George Lucas. If you ask people, some people, and I think the most widely regarded as true, is that the original idea for 7, 8, and 9 got wrapped up into Return of the Jedi. I don't know if there's any official confirmation on that being true. Uh, Well, George Lucas did in fact write episode 7, 8, and 9, and submitted it to Disney, but it was promptly rejected. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I, I heard that. And oh. I, I did not know that. Yeah. And the expanded universe covers many, many years and decades after Return of the Jedi, so you can kind of guess and kind of, I guess, say that that, covers, that covers a sequel trilogy or what would have been the sequel trilogy. Many elements, though, were borrowed from the extended universe or the legends universe now like what mike well ron why don't you start and tell us because you got episode seven (gasps) i have episode seven the empire strikes back i mean sorry um (laughs) god i just uh yeah so uh the movie i actually have is star wars episode seven The Force Awakens. (gasps) Now, this movie had been hotly anticipated from the day that Disney had purchased Lucasfilm from George Lucas. And obviously, as Mike said, you know, ideas for what the next movie could bring were running rampant. And then J.J. Abrams got brought on to write and direct and things got even crazier. And then Lawrence Kasdan, the guy who basically wrote every single Star Wars movie up to this point, decided to, like, you know, hop on. And then, like, it was released that Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill were all coming back to reprise their roles. Things... Not to mention John Williams was doing the score for the movie, for the trilogy, also. Things to quote Batman, the movie, in 1990... Sorry, 1989... Things got nuts, okay? So, basically, yeah, like, the hype for this movie was, it was astronomical. 
I would probably say it is the most hyped for movie of this century, maybe by far. I can't. I would put Endgame up there. Yeah, Endgame or is probably, Infinity probably War. Okay. Yeah, I would think that it's episodes. I my opinion, episode seven with Endgame being a very close second. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, those you can even up, be able to swap the two. They're actually. at the table. I would say mm-hmm. everyone else is at the kids' table. This one is at the table. I was gonna say I think though the records that Endgame shattered would maybe put Endgame in first place. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, we're talk we're we're talking about hype right now. Yeah. We're not talking about the record no, because, because Batman versus Superman had a lot of hype, but then that movie turned into the you know solid tur that it was. Tell that to so. Rotten Tomatoes. This was the first real Star Wars movie we got since two thousand five. So ten years. You're jumping ahead of me, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the Clone Wars is weeping openly, Mike. <laughs> that it was the it was the first live action Star Wars movie in over ten years, and the first movie to continue the Skywalker story since 1983. And let's just say everyone was hotly anticipating what was coming up next. And when the cast for this film was released, people didn't know what to make of it. Because a lot of these names, people people simply didn't know them. I mean, Daisy Ridley, her only major film credit to this point was playing a dead body. So <laughs> it was kind of hard to, like, you know, kind of see where her acting chops were. But, you know... John Boyega, he was on Attack Attack on Block or Attack on the Block, decent film. Uh, you know, um, uh, Oscar Isaac, he was he was good. Lupita Nyong'o, great actress. Andy Serkis, known for his motion capture work. I wonder how that turned out. And uh, Dom Hell Gleason, you know, played General Hux, and he was also in another smaller uh, movie franchise called <laughs> Harry Potter. So yeah. <laughs> Wait, who was he in Harry Potter? He was, he was one of the Charlie, kids. Charlie or Bill. I think he, he was. Bill. Wait, he was. He's one of the Weasleys. Yeah. yeah, he has red hair and he's in Hollywood. Of course, he's a Weasley. No shit. I can hear Mike's mouse clicking, looking this up right now. <laughs> the budget for this film was reportedly between two hundred and fifty and just over three hundred million dollars. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a, uh, that's a lot of dough to make some bread, y'all. But it kind of worked out, worked out because this film made over $2 billion, becoming the third highest grossing movie without, uh, inflation adjusted, adjusted uh, of all time. So obviously their investment, you know, kind of worked out. The movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, both could I, could, could I, uh, before you continue, could I tell a story before you go into the plot about yeah. stuff? You're good. Okay. Um, so do you guys remember when the teaser trailer came out for Force Awakens? Oh my god. Yeah. I know exactly where I was. Yep. I think at the time it was released, I think it was the most watched like teaser trailer of all time. Mm-hmm. Up to that I, point. I remember I was in college... I was walking to one of my classes and I got a text from one of my friends and he was like, 
trailer drop. That was all I needed to know because I quickly went on YouTube and just typed Force Awakens. So I'm walking <laughs> through campus, watching the trailer, and I'm like, I'm like weeping because it looks so good. And I had like a couple people like, so like I'm walking through a college campus just crying, looking at my <laughs> phone and walking to class with like my headphones in. And so I had one of my friends, it was Danubio, Ron. I oh, was one, it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends came up to me and was like, bro, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I just showed him the like screen and it was Star Wars. And he's like, man, you are a fucking loser. Yeah. Needless to say, I was very excited for it. <laughs> this movie, like this movie series means it means a lot to a lot of different people. Uh, as of five minutes before this podcast, I know of at least four people that cried watching this movie. So hand up. Yep, me too. Yeah. So yeah, you guys are two of the four people. Is it? Actually, it might be five. But yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people cried watching this movie because it was just like there was so much anticipation, and it actually turned out to be a good movie. Like the whole time, heading in the days before the movie premiered i was so nervous because i didn't want it to be like a prequel movie like i didn't want it to be bad like i just wanted it to be okay Mm. i didn't want it to be good i didn't want it to be great i just wanted it to be good enough that i was looking forward to the rest of the movies in the trilogy because if it came out a stinker i i probably would have not been crying tears of joy just tears of absolute sadness i think regardless i was going to cry just (laughs) depended on what was going on with the movie i was just grateful to get a star wars movie again because back in boy 90 mid 90s late 90s i used to read a lot of magazines the star wars had a magazine um and then, like, Wizards Magazine um, used to put a lot of Star Wars stuff out. And that was where I first heard of, like, the little lava pit fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin. But um, there was a lot of... There was always speculation on what would a 7 be. And how would they continue it. And for a long time after episodes 1, 2, and 3, which didn't do as great as they should have done episode one did like box office wise but then two and three didn't make nearly enough or as much as people thought and like the quality wasn't there compared to the original trilogy Mm. and and lucas kind of like jerked everybody around like we were going to get a seven eight and nine and then oh we weren't oh we're gonna get a live action tv series oh no never mind no we're not and then who I don't know only I only know what I've read that stuff that happened in the late 80s early 90s of what we were supposed to get uh, in terms of a trilogy uh, of a sequel trilogy so I didn't think this was going to happen so I was just grateful for having a Star Wars movie again and that knowing that it was going to be like the house of mouse that was doing it I was like, well, it can't be that bad ah. because Disney doesn't really produce bad things. Ah. Um, so 
I, I no, I mean, I was at the time. Grant, this was 2012, 2013, um, 14. Was like, okay, this is, you know, we're getting it, and this is going to be a whole. And then Disney started talking about all the other stuff that they were going to do. So it's like, all right, we're getting at least three new movies. It's going to sequel to Skywalker Saga. The original people are going to be back. I was like, this is awesome. This is like my the inner child in me was going nuts. Yeah, and at that point they had announced, you know. Uh, I mean, like, the Skywalker saga was getting their own trilogy. We were getting Rogue One, which we'll talk about in the next Star Wars episode. We were going to get, like, all these, like, different sort of movies. And it really, really seemed like Kathleen Kennedy had a plan. (laughs) Uh, We'll get into it later. Okay, so anyway, uh, really quickly, because, wow, we have spent a lot of time on this so far. Um... Yeah, so the plot of this movie, 30 years after the defeat of Darth Vader and the fall of the of the Galactic Empire, one rogue stormtrooper, Finn, teams up with Poe, that's uh, Oscar Isaac, to attempt to smuggle some information. And they meet up with uh, Scavenger Ray on the planet Jakku, who, and she has the uh, droid BB-8. And they're trying to find the whereabouts of Luke Skywalker. They meet up with two smugglers who are Han Solo and a big dog named Chewbacca. And they are thrown into the midst of the battle of the Resistance and the First Order. And they try to, you know, find Luke Skywalker and defeat the First Order because they have a brand new Death Star that can now kill, like, multiple planets at a time. Oh, it's and... called Starkiller Base. So, yeah. Sorry. And it's, and it's, like, it's really cold there. And, uh, yeah. So it's kind of a reworking of Episode Four for a modern audience. It's still a great movie. The entire time they're trying to battle Kylo Ren, who's obsessed with his, we didn't know this at the time, grandfather, uh, Darth Vader. And, uh, yeah, General Hux is there, too. Uh, so is uh, Emperor, or, sorry, Supreme Leader Snoke. Okay. So, yeah, that's, a, that's kind of the plot of Episode 7. And it turned out to be a good movie. And, again, it seemed like Kathleen Kennedy had a plan. <laughs> we'll get so, into it later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie made over $2 billion dollars. This movie has been discussed so much. I think everyone like basically knows the ins and outs of this. Do you want me to do a fun fact? Do you want to do grades? Like, what do we, what do we want to do first? Do some fun facts. Uh, hmm. Yep. Uh, the fun fact that I have, uh, and this kind of shocked me. And like when I rewatched it, I I still couldn't believe it when I was watching it. So as they were making the movie, the scene where General Hux and Kylo Ren we're talking to Supreme Leader Snoke uh, for the final time, like the, the three of them together. In that scene, Kylo Ren had taken his helmet off. Mm-hmm. So that entire time that they shot that, like there was no helmet on him. There was no helmet on him. And when they like went back in the editing process, they're like, oh, it would make a lot more sense for this to take place pre- Ray finding out, like, this is Ben Solo and, like, Ben taking off his mask in front of Harrison Ford and stuff. So they digitally, in, like, put 
the Kylo Ren mask on top of him. <laughs> and so that entire scene was like, you know, there was going to be like a motion through him and like all this stuff. And then they just plop a freaking mask on top of him. Great. And so like, I mean, it looks very realistic. Like it looks like the mask is actually there. But yeah, so now like every time I watch the movie and I see that, I'm just like, oh shit. Okay. So yeah, that's my, uh, that's my fun fact. <laughs> well, I'm sure you guys know that Simon Pegg and Daniel Craig were both in the film, right? Yes. Yep. I did. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my fun fact. <laughs> yeah, Simon Pegg played the uh, the guy who was like giving Ray the um, oh, crap. What did they Self-rising call? Self rising bread. The portions. Portions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, portions. I didn't realize that was Simon Pegg. Apparently, like, and like I did I, not know that that was him. Yeah, I got I got a lot of crap for not knowing that was Simon Pegg, and I'm like, doesn't sound like him, but yeah. So that, that was him. And then Daniel Craig played one of the stormtroopers that was holding Ray. And then when Ray discovers that she can use the force, I'm pretty sure Daniel Craig was the, the one to like, take one. her out of the chain. Yeah. yeah. I knew that was Daniel Craig, but I, I knew Simon Pegg was in. I just didn't know who he was. I thought he was a stormtrooper, but I, that's new to me. Yeah. That is um, a fun fact. For the record, self-rising bread looked delicious. Yeah, yeah, that that wasn't CGI either. Like they actually made that. That's pretty sick. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh yeah. So okay. So another fun fact. Yeah, the self the self rising bread was not CGI. The production team made that. Like there's a whole thing on like the DVD extras about that. I can make my own self rising bread. Uh, if you got Hollywood money, sure, go ahead. <laughs> what? That looks like some dope pumpernickel bread. Looks more of a sourdough to me. Personal. It just looks like a bread. <laughs> just looks like bread. What grade? What's your grade? God, I'm re- again, like this falls into that category of like I really wish I could give a minus on this, um, but I will give it. I will give it a B plus. Spoilers: This is probably the highest rated Disney Star Wars movie for me. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I brought the boxing gloves. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, B B plus for me. I think this I think this movie is good. Um I know it gets a lot of crap because it basically is like a retelling of episode four. I was also kinda of disappointed because I was really looking forward to like Luke Skywalker in this movie. And <laughs> Luke Luke basically was like ten seconds of him looking at Ray. Yeah, uh yeah, this movie was okay. I really, really enjoyed it. Like it's one of the few, it's one of the few Star Wars movies that I would like. I will go back to and watch. Like if it's on like TNT or something, I'll sit. I'll sit down and watch it. Doesn't bother me at all. It's good. I like it. Future network of the show. Uh, I also I also think that Daisy Ridley is horribly underrated, and this is for the entire uh, trilogy. She's horribly underrated as an actress. I think that she's really really good. My personal favorite of the three is uh john boyega wow that's that's funny because my personal favorite out of the three is oscar isaac with <laughs> oh natural 20 dameran i'm not natural making that up <laughs> i actually i don't like finn because basically his entire arc of the series is basically complete in episode seven in my yeah. opinion 
Now, I guess we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about it in eight, because I'm sure yeah. it'll come up. <laughs> Matthew? Uh, so, I am going to give this grade. I'm, I'm also going to give this movie a B. I'm going to get. I'm just going to give it a B. To me, it is like chicken soup for movies. Like, I think that J.J. Abrams, like... It, I like the metaphor. It's a very, it's mm. very, like, comfortable for, like, a Star Wars fan, you know? Like, it's, and it's not, like, you can never go wrong with chicken noodle soup. And I think it's very obvious that J.J. Abrams, like, grew up loving Star Wars, and this was his best homage towards that. And it was very obvious because it's, like, a retelling of episode four, like Ron said. I really like the new characters, uh, particularly Ray and Poe and Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren is mm. an amazing villain, which I know not a lot of people agree with, but I'm sure we could talk. We'll talk about that later, which I keep saying all the time. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk about it in the episode nine discussion. But yeah, I think Kylo Ren is one of the best characters in the entire uh, entire Star Wars series. Mm hmm. But yeah, I think it's a B. Uh, it's really well made, and I don't really have anything bad to say. But yeah, so yeah, that's my review. B. It, it, it's kind of obvious that like Disney want didn't want to take like a huge risk, so that's probably why it's like a um a big. It's kind of like a big retelling of Episode Seven, and it also kind of like. You know, it gently nudges the new generation into Star Wars, so that way they can, like, kind of, quote-unquote, get it. But uh, speaking of taking risks, Matt, do you want to talk about Episode Eight? Not until Mike gives his review. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> but um, Big sorry. No, no worries. I will give it an A. Hmm. I think this is everything, aside from... Luke only having his la being in it for the last 10 seconds I think this is pretty much everything that I wanted as a as a kid and as an adult seeing it I believe it lived up to the hype I thought they were playing it a little bit too safe modeling it really a lot after episode four but you gotta go in with the thought and the rationale not the rationale you gotta go in with the with the mindset that this movie wasn't made for me and it wasn't made for my parents. This movie was made for kids who are 8, 9, and 10 and seeing it for the first time. And that's why I know the Disney trilogy gets a lot of flack, but like our parents' generation, that was the original trilogy. Our generation was the prequels. And... I'm sure there was people who obsessed over the original trilogy and like the, the prequels, but these movies weren't made for me, and that's fine. But I think that Episode Seven hit it out of the park with all the expectations that I had. Aside from the only thing I think really preventing it from getting a plus is more Luke Skywalker being you know the most icon being the iconic character of the series. But uh, I, I think this was. I think this is the best one of the Disney trilogy. And I think that they really, this really opened up the next 10 to 15 years of Star Wars from Disney. 
I yeah. will I will push back a little bit on saying that this trilogy wasn't made for you because of episode eight. I think that that out of the three movies was kind of the one that was not made for kids. It was kind of like written a little bit differently, but other than like seven and nine definitely were. But we can also talk. Well, we can get into it right now. Take us to episode eight. Okay. So episode eight titled The Last Jedi. (gasps) Its release date was December 19th. 2017 the budget of the said film was in between 200 to 317 million dollars everywhere i looked it gave me the figure of 200 to 317 million dollars i could not find an exact number so i do apologize for that but the box office gross worldwide it did make 1.333 billion dollars that is with a b directed by ryan johnson who before then was really only known for directing Looper and a couple episodes of Breaking Bad, including... Now, I don't watch Breaking Bad, but I'm pretty sure he did one of the most iconic episodes with Ozymandias. Ozymandias, and yes, it's con- a lot of Breaking Bad fans consider it to be the best episode of Breaking Bad. Yes, so up until episode 8, that was what he did. Obviously, after that, he made the incredible film that we've talked about many times before on this podcast called Knives Out. Um, Great movie. But up until then, yes. It was produced by a bunch of people. Music by the immortal John Williams, of course. So, the cast, the usual suspects, like Ron said, it was the original cast, as well as Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac. But with the addition of Laura Dern as Vice Admiral Haldo. Kelly Marie Tran as Rose, Benicio Del Toro as DJ, and Frank Oz making a cameo appearance as Yoda. So, all... Okay, so here's the premise. This movie begins as Rey, after finally reaching Luke Skywalker and handing him his original lightsaber, and Luke takes his lightsaber and throws it over his shoulder in a very iconic move um basically saying that the jedi and the jedi order are dead to him meanwhile on another planet the resistance are trying to escape the first order's grasp as they have found them and as they are preparing to escape a imperial dreadnought appears which is basically a big ass star destroyer bigger than a super star destroyer by the way just letting everybody know anyway Poe Natural 20 Dameran, seeing as this is the only way at time we could ever take out a Dreadnought, decides to pull out all of the aerial forces and bomber forces to try and take out the Dreadnought. Now, they were able to defeat the Dreadnought, but in doing so, they lost many of their small fighter fleet. Um, so it was almost possible them for another attack. But they do manage to successfully escape through hyperspace. Or do they? It is found out that the First Order do in fact have tracking signal, or tracker, through hyperspace, which until now was previously unknown. So it's this constant cat-and-mouse chase between the Resistance and the First Order trying to, for the First Order trying to take out the Resistance once and for all. And in doing so, Kylo Ren gets into a small fighter and blows up the remainder of the uh, First, the Resistance fleet, as well as take his 
as well as taking out the cockpit, which had um, Admiral Akbar, RIP to the true OG, and Princess Leia, knocking her, incapacitating her, but not killing her. Ha 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 ha, we'll talk about that. Uh, uh, and while that happens, Finn and Rose go to the worst thing in Star Wars history, go to Cantabite, pick up a... <laughs> Pick up a guy to get onto the Imperial or First Order, sorry, fleet to try and take out the tractor beam so they can, so they can, so the First for Resistance can escape. Sorry, I'm getting names are not existing for me anymore. It all comes to a head where, at the end, uh, after the Resistance found a planet to hide out on. The First Order tried to take them out once and for all, but Luke comes to save the day, realizing the mistakes in his ways, and is able to distract the First Order while the Resistance escape and live another day. So that's the plot summary. And I will take a drink and take a breath because it was hard for me to breathe during that. <gasps> okay, so I'll do, I'll do two segments. I'll do two fun facts. One nice and one that's pretty much explanatory of the reception of the film. So the first one is the nice one. And according to the director of Ryan, according to director Ryan Johnson, the Porgs were the result of puffins being native to Skelling Michael, Skelling Michelle, the, the scenes where the planet where Luke and Ray were on for the majority of the movie were filmed. They were unable to move the puffins as they are protected species and it would have been too time-consuming and expensive to edit them out of the shots. So Ryan decided to create a new indigenous species and simply CGI over the puffins. So because... What? Yeah, so the puffins were, like, everywhere, apparently, when they were filming and, like, constantly getting into the shots. So rather than just editing them out, they just made a new species out of it. And, like, the Ewoks of the Disney trilogy were born, essentially. <laughs> And kind of less of a fun fact, but more of a fact that kind of, like, popped up. Um, after reading the script for the film, Mark Hamill told Ryan Johnson, I pretty much fundamentally disagree with every choice you've made for Luke Skywalker. Now, having said that, I've gotten it off my chest, and my job now is to take what you've created and do my best to realize your vision. Despite the ultimately divisive response among fans following the film's release... Hamill later said in a statement that he had maintained respect for Johnson as well as the as the Disney trilogy director J.J. Abrams. So yeah, that quote came out like a couple of days after the f opening weekend because I do remember that coming out because it, this film is very very um, contentious among fans and critics alike because critics loved this film um giving it a and it had an average rating of 91 percent on rotten tomatoes and an 85 on metacritic now the re audience response on the other hand for both websites were 43 percent so that's uh pretty nutso if you ask me but i guess i'll start my review so i personally really really enjoy this film i think that this is the best movie out of the in the trilogy oh i like it a lot because the scenes it 
establishes the connection that Rey and Kylo Ren have, and that will come into Nine. But those scenes are very good. I do like the interaction between grumpy old Luke Skywalker and Rey. And I mean, there's a lot of really bad moments. Like, there's some of the worst moments in the entire, like, Star Wars franchise in this movie. But it was also, like, an incredibly original story. Something that Star Wars can learn from, in most cases. And it also showed that the universe doesn't revolve around the Skywalker family. Which I think a lot of fans kind of have it in their head that this one family is the most important thing of the universe. But the movie tells, like, is open to being like, no, there's so many other people in this universe. There's other force wielders that are pretty strong. There's other types of things that can help. Like, it doesn't have to be this one guy to kill, to, like, save the galaxy, essentially. Like, it's a joint effort. And... I don't know. I think it took some very big risks, some of them not panning out, some of them really working. And I also am a huge fan of the Holdo maneuver. I think it's one of the most memorable moments in Star Wars history. Mm. It's definitely one of the most visually stunning moments. Like, I remember during when I saw it on opening night, like, it was one of the very few times when I was in an audience where they were all just stunned. And it was <laughs> silent. So... It was pretty cool. Also, I don't care about Snoke dying, so don't at me, (laughs) y'all. Can I just say about the Holdo maneuver? Like, a lot of people thought that something was wrong with the audio because of how silent it was. I mean, scientifically speaking, it is pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I give this movie a B+. I will agree that there are plenty of flaws in this movie, so I don't give it an A, but I do like it more than the force awakens and if i had to choose to pick one of the three movies that i can only pick one of them to watch the rest of my life it would be the last jedi wow 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 i'm putting on my box of gloves right now (laughs) so i know it's coming uh mike do you want to give you a review sure so it's no shock that i think this movie's terrible and I give it an F. You give it an I F. I think this movie ruined the Skywalker saga. And episode 9 gets the shit that it gets. Which I'll get into. Because this movie was so bad. I The positive things about this movie. What Matt said was that the Skywalker family is not the only family. Or the only people that matter in the universe. Or in the galaxy rather. Okay, that's true. That's a good thing. And that was pointed out. The dog fight in the beginning was pretty good. I thought that they tried to be way too funny. And it's like, what are you doing? Did you not learn from Jar Jar Binks? And that whole mess that was in Phantom Menace. I go back and forward frequently on which one I dislike more, the Phantom Menace or this one. And I really think it's episode eight, the fight scene, the late lightsaber fight scene, in the in the chamber room, was the best part of the movie. That part was fantastic. Um, I guess I would give it an F plus because of that. That 
like Duel of the Fates. This was its duel. This was the Duel of the Fates for this one. But this movie was sh- straight up pointless, I believe. It was more of a. If this was a television series, this would be the one that was a standalone for syndication. Because all they're doing is running away from a Star Destroyer. Doesn't fuel the plot, doesn't figure out how to get the Republic back or anything with the New Rebellion. And the one thing that grinds my gears the most, that ruins it single-handedly for me, is that they make Luke Skywalker look like a joke. I don't know if they, if Ryan Johnson wanted to to touch on the Joker part of Mark Hamill, or the trickster part of Mark Hamill. Ron, start or, ringing the bell. <laughs> <coughs> or some of the, uh, or, 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 or something, uh, or whatever he he was in Jane's Island, Bob Strikes Back. Oh wow! That's not Luke Skywalker, to me. Uh, that is that is that is not the hero and the savior from Return of the Jedi, and I think that this movie went way left field. Like I guess if you want, if this, if they went in this direction for Episode Seven, and then they kept it up for the other two for the whole trilogy, maybe we would have got this weird take on it, and it wouldn't have been that bad. But when you go from seven, which is chicken and then noodle you soup. Have nine, and then the end you have not. This is that instant ramen. Yes. If that. I will admit that. Yeah. And then you have nine, which are both similar in like theme and how like the, the emotion that they're trying to portray. Then you have this. And even if you go back and take the middle of Attack of the Clones or Empire, you don't have this. And just to end my point, Luke Skywalker, they ruin the character in this movie and the 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 force projection okay cool power i guess you expand on the force absolutely positively is why this deserves an f what? i try to i try to watch this multiple times and i'm just i just cannot i could sit through episode one and i do many times but i cannot keep sitting through this one and i saw it four times in the theaters um, Mike and Matt, before you guys fight about this movie, <laughs> really quick, my review, I give it a C plus, um, mostly because if this was not a Star Wars movie, like if this was just like a standalone sci-fi movie, I think people would love this movie, but because it has to be the middle part of a trilogy and it is in Star Wars universe, it doesn't make much sense for it to be here. And nine, for better or worse, kind of, you know, just because you can't really talk about eight without nine. Like nine just kind of like puts this one, like it just throws it away. Um, I thought the acting was good. Canto Bite was completely worthless as a storyline. Um, I really wish that Rose, like the actor, the actress who plays Rose, didn't get the hate that she did. But Rose was kind of a worthless character. That is not the fault of Kelly Marie Tran. I think that's her name. That's not yes. her fault at all. Like, I don't understand why people personally attack her for that. Like, it's not, it, it's just not her fault. 
but yeah, the Canto Bite thing was just completely uh, worthless. Um, probably just there so that way it could be in Solo, uh, the Han Solo movie. But yeah, I liked the whole thing with Ray and Ben, and I thought that was really good. The Force projection thing was a natural extension of the Force, considering it is a fake thing and this it has to evolve at some point. Um, Luke Skywalker to me is kind of not Luke Skywalker until the end. And yeah, I think his whole arc in the original three movies kind of gets thrown out here, but it's kind of understandable. And with that said, Matt and Mike, uh, go ahead, argue. Ring the bell. (laughs) Okay. First of all, Mike, before we begin, I just would like to say I respect you as a human being. And regardless of this argument, I hope we could still be remaining friends. Is that fair? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. So, Mike, would you rather have this guy who, during the original trilogy, he was this flawed kid who was slowly learning to become a man with flawed emotions, and when you bring him in to this new trilogy he's showing none of the familiar traits that he was showing in the previous one during episode five he was very rash where he left dagobah to go help his friends now when he was the whole thing with ben he made this rash and snap judgment about ben when he had the vision that ben would turn into kylo ren now A lot of people say that that doesn't make sense, but I think that's totally within Luke's character. And because of that, as a natural human emotion of feeling regret and guilt about doing that, as well as finally calling out the hypocrisy of the Jedi Order, which Yoda was pretty much telling him in the original trilogy, he was the first Jedi to admit it, and because of that, he did not want to be a part of it at all. Because he thought that this religion that he spent his entire life on and he realized it was a lie i feel any human being would feel this sense of dread the sense of doubt amongst himself and what he believes in and i think that everything that luke did in this movie is a natural emotion and everyone would probably do the same thing because he's not a superhero he's luke skywalker he's a human being he did these incredible things for the galaxy, but at the end of the day, he's still a person. And I think that because of that, he did all of the, like, it all makes sense for the character. And this is a personal thing, but I do like that there is a character study where we take this hero and we put him as a human being. I will say that this movie isn't the place for a character study like that. But I think that they did a pretty good job of telling that an original story. And because it made people uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad. And see. <laughs> and that is your opinion, and you are entitled to it. Okay. Mike, what do you think? I think that you are... You're not wrong in the things that you said, as in like tapping into human emotion, uh, what a person would do when they 
found out what they believed all their life was a lie. Um, I understand that trope. However, I feel that the forced comedy, I think they were trying to touch on Mark Hamill's other experiences and his roles that he did post Return of the Jedi. And the comedy aspect is not something that would be fit in Luke Skywalker. If you look back, even when he was in his juvenile, I guess you would call it, in A New Hope or in the beginning of Empire, he was never a character with a sense of humor, uh, a real sense of humor. He was a, I guess, blue chipper, maybe, would be the best way to describe it. He is somebody who wants to seek adventure. And he is somebody who wants to understand his past, where he came from, and he feel he f- fits that trope. This Luke Skywalker just kind of killed that character. Now, if there was a... I guess they, they would do it in a book. If they maybe made a... Let's say they made a movie episode six and a half right or whatever between six and seven and they showed for two hours or that maybe they did it in a show or they did an animated feature the progression of this blue chipper character who had grown up he has the weight of the entire religion the galaxy uh his family the republic on his shoulders he is the the general he's the peacekeeper he is essentially the pope and the you know lancelot at the same time going from that to almost as bad as jar jar binks and you you need to you need to give us a little bit here more other than the vision of kylo ren and him like getting evil eyes trying to kill him like there needed to be a little bit more development, and if they would have, mm-hmm. if they would have done a um, maybe in the beginning of seven, done a fifteen years after or twenty years after Return of the Jedi, like scene where they show Luke progressing down this path, you you would have had a bridge to get to this point that you described. But everything that you're saying is built off of other classic character tropes and themes. There's a lot of like assumption that he, how he got to this point based off of the scene with Kylo Ren. That's what I'm trying to get at. And I think they made Luke Skywalker more of like a joke. Mm. I don't... I mean, I agree with you that there needed to be more done for Luke to end up where he was, but... I think the assumption that he was Space Pope and Lancelot is a little too much. Like, he was the last Jedi, yes, but, like, all the stuff you were talking about, about him feeling the weight and all the significance of everything, he you already saw that in Six after Yoda died. And, of course, he's not going to be a guy who's willing for adventure. He's, like, what, 30 years older after New Hope to now? Like, anybody's going to lose a couple of steps and not want to go out for adventure anymore. Right. But you, in that 
per natural progression, though, he would have taken on the Obi-Wan role. Which he eventually did. Like, he eventually did teach Rey a bunch of Kind stuff. of, but Obi-Wan never... There was no comedic aspect about... Like, this is something I would have expected from Spaceballs. Well, I like to think... Don't take this the wrong way, but I think that Star Wars saw the humor that, like, Marvel films were doing. And they kind of had to inject it. They felt the need to inject it into their movies. I mean... But it ended up just falling flat. No, I mean, that's fine. Like, you, you should... All movies should have some kind of humor. They're not all movies, Yeah, but some movies. And Marvel, and Marvel, right... Like, the Russo brothers do it a lot better than the Star Wars writers. But that's because they, you know, they did Community. They were... They did all these other comedies before they got into the superhero ring. But... I don't know. I think we are going to agree to disagree on this one. So, I guess I'll segue into it. I think episode 9 did humor better. And I will get to that. Okay. Star Wars episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Released on December 20th, 2019. Directed by J.J. Abrams. Screenplay by Chris Terrace and J.J. Abrams. Story by Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow, yeah. Produced by Kathleen Kennedy. The budget was $275 million. And the box office gross was $1.074 billion with a B dollars. Music by John Williams. It's actually a lot more money than I thought it would make, if I'm being honest. It took a while to get there. It's a Star Wars movie, baby. <laughs> but yeah, it took a while. Uh, it starred returning Carrie Fisher. Uh, and this was a... Some of the... This was after she had passed away. This movie was released. Uh, Mark Hamill, uh, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaacs. Uh, Billy D. Williams returns to reprise the role of Lando Calrissian, last seen Aww, in yeah. Return of the Jedi. And Ian McDermott. McDermott? McDermott? McDermott. Thank you. I always mispronounce his name. As Emperor Palpatine or Darth Sidious. Right away when this movie begins, you see... Kylo Ren traveling to, um, or he's fighting in the in the forest, getting a Sith holocron, or a Sith artifact, and he travels to a Sith planet, and he sees and encounters Palpatine, who we learn is alive and well, and has been controlling everything behind the scenes since his supposed death at the end of Return of the Jedi. Uh, Rey is training with Leia to continue her Jedi training. Um... And they go on to the the team learns that there's a message that gets sent out. Emperor Palpatine's alive, and Ray and friends go out in search of the holocron to go or the artifact to go find where basically Palpatine is. So that is the bulk of the movie until you get to. Uh, a few key scenes. Uh, we do go back to the second Death Star wreckage. On Endor, where Rey and Kylo have a battle it out, and it's really a turning point for Kylo Ren, who is taking the role of, I guess, the Skywalker in this Disney trilogy, where he comes from the dark side, where he encounters his father again, his spirit of his father, and he switches over to the light side. Rey and... Kylo and friends travel to, or not together, but they go to the homeworld, or uh, the Sith world where Palpatine is, 
And that is where the big epic finale takes place. Palpatine is creating a uh, Sith army, a Sith uh, a fleet of Star Destroyers that have cannons on them that can destroy planets. And Billy D. Lando Calrissian goes out and basically recruits everybody he can find. And there's a big epic battle at the end between what's left of the Republic and anybody with a galaxy who has a gun on their ship. Um, then Rey and Kylo battle Palpatine at the end. Uh, ultimately, they're victorious. Uh, Kylo loses his life in the process. <clears throat> and at the very end of the movie, Rey goes back to the original homeworld uh, Tatooine of Luke Skywalker she goes to Luke's childhood home, takes Luke and Leia's lightsaber, buries them in the ground, and a stranger asks, who are you? And she says, I'm Rey. And then she says, Rey Skywalker. And then she is seen looking at two tattooing suns rising to symbolize that it is a dawn of a new day. So, couple fun facts. This very... This uh, movie was filled with a lot of Easter eggs. Uh, a couple of iconic ships could be seen at the end during the last battle. Um, one of the more popular ones was the uh, the Ghost, which is the ship in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, could be yeah. could be seen. Mm -hmm. The tie-in novel reveals that Palpatine transferred his consciousness into a clone body. The reason this is significant is because. This was a big plot point in many, many books in the Legends, or the EU, that came out in the 90s and 2000s. So, whether or not this is this will be officially acknowledged as true remains to be seen. However, it was a nice nod. Whether you like it or not, it was a nod to a lot of the EU works that were done in the past. This movie broke the record for pre-ticket sales... Previously held by Avengers yeah. Endgame. Yep. Suck it. And here is my main fun fact. And it has to do with the best character in the movie, Babu Frick. J.J. <laughs> <laughs> Abrams gave a special test screening to Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg asked what happened... The first thing Steven Spielberg asked at the end was what happened to Babu Frick? <laughs> that is so, so sad <laughs> they're they're on the planet when they first you first meet babu frick and it gets destroyed by one of these new deaths the star destroyer super weapons and steven spielberg's first question is what happens to babu frick so jj abrams what you what did you think of the movie steve what happened to <laughs> babu frick so J.J. Abrams wrote in the scene at the end during the dogfight where you see uh, Babu Frick make an appearance to signify and to show that he is indeed alive. Uh, and that's why it was included there at the end. So that's why you have Carrie Russell's character appear and Babu Frick pops up and uh, does his little thing. So I thought you were going to talk about the Revan Easter egg. Uh, yep, that was the other thing too. Darth Revan yeah. is confirmed to exist. The so every Star Wars movie has a um, a series of tie-in uh, books. They're like um, 
companions, I guess, to the movie that kind of like go into a little bit more depth and they're all official. So they give a name to each of the Star Destroyers. Each of the Star Destroyers were named after a previous Sith Lord. Darth Revan, who was the character from the Knights of the Old Republic video games, um, a huge, huge fan favorite. Uh, one of the Star Destroyers was named the Revan, after Darth Revan. So this is a canon that Revan is alive, or was alive, and did exist at one point in time. And a lot of Thumbs a lot up. of people were super thrilled. Yeah, about can, it. can we just give it up for like you know? Post the movie coming out, them like doing retroactive changes to it. Love it. Gotta give it up. Gotta give it up. (laughs) (laughs) What I meant. (laughs) You're not wrong. What I meant before by humor with episode nine stealing the show. um, C3PO stole the movie and he had some of the most. He had some of the funniest dialogue out of any of the characters. He also had the most heartfelt line I've ever heard. He did. I actually, my <laughs> when we get to the fun facts, my fun fact is about C-3PO. <laughs> I think I've told it. I, have I told this story on the pod before? <laughs> I know I've told it to Matt, but I can't remember. Yeah, and it's fucking brilliant. Uh, the only last thing I had to say was this movie was not well received by critics and fans, but when I get to my grade, I will touch more on my opinion on that. But go ahead, what's your fun fact? I just took the boxing gloves <laughs> off. Um, wait, sorry. Do you want me to give my grade or my fun fact? Your fun, fun fact. Okay. So the actor who plays C three PO, Anthony Daniels. And Anthony um, Daniels. So throughout the history of Star Wars, going back to like Episode uh, Four with George Lucas, was always bugging the crap out of him to like you know give C three PO like a heroic moment. Like, oh, then, and then, like, C-3PO comes in and saves the day. And George Lucas is always like, no. And um, fucking Anthony Daniels kind of has a reputation of, in Hollywood to be sort of hard to work with. And so, like, like throughout, like, the prequel trilogy, Anthony Daniels was like, come on, George. Like, give C-3PO, like, give him his moment. Give him his shining moment where he, like, saves someone. And George is like, it's C-3PO. I'm not going to do that. No. And so... Whether this is true or not... <laughs> Jar Jar will take out the Trade Federation. <laughs> Whether this is true or not, apparently Anthony Daniels bugged Disney and J.J. Abrams enough to the point that that's why C-3PO has his heroic moment in Episode Nine. It's basically like Anthony Daniels is like, this is the, my final shot. This is the last chance I'll ever have to have C-3PO save the freaking day. And he finally, he finally got to it. He finally did it. C-3PO is a freaking hero. And then they wipe his memory and it's really sad. And then the movie doesn't have the guts to say that it actually happened. So they give him his memory back. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so <laughs> I did not know that. But I, that's amazing. So my grade for this movie is a B. Oh, God. Jesus. I think it's a lot of fun. And I think the biggest flaw that it has is it was trying to make up many mistakes from The Last Jedi. Had The Last Jedi been better, 
<laughs> Had The Last Jedi been better, this movie would have been much, much better. It would have, it wouldn't have had it would have focused more on not trying to fix the problems in eight and it would have delved more into what should have been more in the plot of nine. You gotta admit though, Billy D or Lando coming in and mack it with Leia at the end was or in the in the middle it was just great. He's just like I'm Billy D. I think that it was maybe not the best send off for the Skywalker saga. Really you could have ended it at Return of the Jedi and that ending was fitting of itself. I feel like the way they ended it you kind of expect more stories to come out of Rey in the future. But that remains to be seen. I think that it's it closed a lot of gaps. It closed a lot of loose ends, and it just it was just a not maybe the nicest, neatest bow on the end of the story. But it was one, and it was again back to my original point. This was not for us. This was to sell toys and to for this new generation. I think. For what it is, it's a B. It's not big dumb fun. It's a little bit more than big dumb fun. But it was not a darker, serious, oddly comedic tone that 8 had. And it was more along the lines of 7. Wow. Make money off of toys. What a great (laughs) way to make a movie. What a Um, great reason. Hey, I mean, it worked for everything ever in the 80s. So this is one another one of those situations where since I can't give out a minus, I'm going to have to give this a D plus. I saw it twice in theaters. The second time I saw it, I fell asleep. The only thing that really kind of saves this is the, um, the ending. Cause the, the action at the end was pretty good for the most part. The plot is pretty incoherent for a trilogy. It does not even acknowledge the second movie in the trilogy, which is a problem. Also, like, you know, the pace of this movie goes from, you know, Usain Bolt running a a race in the Olympics to, like, a turtle trying to find some grass to eat. Like, this movie is just insanely paced. A lot of the movie kind of doesn't make sense. They jump from, like, thing to thing, Kylo Ren, after he talks to his dad, who's in his side of his head, does not speak again after that. And also... No, he goes oof. Oh, great. Okay, thank you. (laughs) And then also, Disney kind of retconned the kiss that Ray and Ben had from being a kiss of, like, I love you, I'm attracted to you, if only I wasn't so evil, we could have loved each other to oh it was like a mutual respect kiss so kids if you have like a if you ever release anything just remember you can retroactively change everything in your movie as long as you make like a prequel or sequel comic about it so and kids just remember nothing gets your significant other going than a mutual friendly kiss maybe I wasn't cheating on you that was a mutual respect kiss (laughs) <laughs> so yeah uh movie gets a d plus horrible effort for for the last movie and what should be one of the greatest trilogies on the planet this movie also gets worse with time because it is 
very forgettable. Good, Matt. So I was in the same boat as Ron because we couldn't give minuses. I'm going to give it a C. I can't give it a bad grade because it's a Star Wars film, and if I gave it any worse, it would be in Clone Wars territory. And as much as I do not like this movie, it is better than Clone Wars. Because goddamn Clone Wars is... Ugh. Uh, or Attack of the Clones, I mean. Sorry. Uh, but pretty much all my stuff is just piggybacking off of what Ron said. It was very clear by the end of the movie that Disney did not want to include 8. They kind of wanted to ignore it as much as possible. Uh, that's why they had the insane pace at the beginning. Just to be like, oh, everything in 8? Nah, we're just going based off of 7. I will say, the Ray and Kylo Ren stuff slash Ben, again, is the best part of the movie. Up until the end, when they kind of just are like, nah, you dead. <laughs> It's a bad send-off for the best character in this trilogy. Because holy shit, did everybody get in, in Kylo Ren's backpack and just go for the ride. He was absolutely the best part of the series, hands down. Uh, other than that, it's a lot of my... It's a lot of the stuff that Ron said for me. So I'm just going to give it a C. And that's it. We Matt, did it. I'm so glad... Did Disney... Matt, I'm really glad that we agreed. Can we have a mutual respect kiss? <laughs> So now having ended the Skywalker saga, which one out of all of them is your personal favorite? Not one that you think is the best or the worst, but your personal favorite. I guess I'll start because I already said mine. Mine's the Last Jedi. I will, I will hang on that cross <laughs> for that movie till the day I die. Out of all, all, all nine. Oh. All nine? Oh, God, no. No, I meant, no, I meant out of the whole Skywalker saga. All oh, nine of them. No, my favorite movie is Return of the Jedi. It's not even close. <laughs> like I said, the best movie is Empire. My favorite movie is Return of the Jedi. I know I probably... I think it has tied for the third best grade and like in my scale. I personally like the best probably episode seven out of like the entire nine just because like it's a modern movie it's a it's still a lot of fun if you just like forget that seven and eight sorry eight and nine happened it's like oh i wonder where this series is going so there's a lot of like anticipation it's just like it's just a fun movie great updated like you know visual effects uh yeah i mean not to take away from episode four or five because those are like those are my two favorites as well. So is episode three, three, four, five are my favorites. But yeah, episode seven, just, just good. I'm going to have to agree with Matt on this one. And I think return of the Jedi, well, I know return of the Jedi is my favorite one. Return of the Jedi is the, uh, I think had the best ending of the trilogy. Fantastic dog fight. Great lightsaber fight. Great ground battle. It was all in all a good movie. And, uh, I think it, for me, it was most fun. So return of the Jedi, with episode four being a close second, and then then uh, uh, Force Awakens. All right. So we have one more episode in the this Star Wars series that we're doing. It is Star Wars Other, where we're going to talk about the spinoff movies and the some of the television shows. So stay tuned for that next week.
I guess me and Matt are going to have to throw on the boxing gloves for Rogue One. So much for our mutual respect <laughs> kiss. <laughs> Going out the window. Also, let us know what you guys think about this Disney trilogy at Pop Culture Fed. Yes, please let us know. Let us know your favorite Star Wars movie. And regardless of what you do or which one you like or which one you don't like, on May the 4th, I hope you did watch Star Wars movie. And throughout the month of May, you should... You know, enjoy all things Star Wars. Maybe read one of the new books or play one of the video games that you haven't played before. And just enjoy the experience and the the world and the universe and the mythos that is Star Wars. Created a pop culture. Maybe have a, pop a mutual culture icon respect kiss with someone on May the <laughs> As long as it's with consent. It's mutual and it's, it's mutual respect kiss. Um, after quarantine is over, please maintain six foot distancing. No, Mike, the first thing I'm going to do when I see you is I'm just going to give you a big old mutual <laughs> respect kiss. I'm sorry, Disney just screwed everything up. Find us on uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube, wherever great podcasts can be found. Mike, take us away. Uh, yep, that's all, everyone. Check. Uh, let us know your thoughts, Pop Culture Fed, and have a good night. Hi, Mom. Bye, Mom.